Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm with Peter Cerace, my former college roommate and a very dear friend. He's a musical theater actor currently living in New York City. We begin with my thoughts on choosing a wedding party and dive right into what has kept us close for so many years. Enjoy. I've thought so much recently, and we've talked about this, but choosing a wedding party and thinking about who to invite and all those kinds of things, because I don't want to put too much pressure on myself to decide, because obviously, as time goes on, relationships change, um, new people will come into my life years from now that hopefully will hold a special place in my life. So it's not like the end all be all, but it is an important decision to me to find those people right now who matter the most and who can stand right by my side and you're one of those people without a doubt you've just always been there for me oh thanks man i mean right back at you i wouldn't have been so gung-ho to work actively at nurturing our relationship if i didn't feel it reciprocated Well, that means a lot to me because, you know, sometimes I can get self-conscious and think that maybe I'm not giving you enough of what you need and I want to be as supportive as you are and sometimes I feel like I fall to the wayside. Well, it happens. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something that you always have to put into perspective. It's just when life happens, taking a moment to be like, oh, hey, I have this person or relationship in my life that I haven't nurtured in a while let me take a moment and revisit that again and I feel like you've always done that thanks man you 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 always do that you're great at that I feel reconnecting with old friends making sure people know you're still around and that you still think about them that takes a lot of work I think that maybe you don't even realize you're doing it is hard I'm not gonna lie I mean because you go through so many different phases especially being an actor where you meet all these amazing people that leave an imprint on your soul and you want to keep that with you and it does take work to be like hey I'm in the city right now what are you doing and then let's get drinks I love that let me know when you're free and I've found it where it's like okay I want to see you I'm free this day and this day what days are you free? And it's just kind of like, okay, so the people that will then reciprocate and be like, hey, I am free this day or this day, we can then have that moment to then build upon our relationship. And, and nine times out of ten, we don't even need to catch up. We just keep going. And I just want to make sure that they stay an important part of my life. I keep lists sometimes where I'm like, okay, I reached out to this person. I have to make sure that I follow up with them. I want to make sure that I'm also good at my word being like, hey, I want to see you. Now, granted, they're probably not thinking about me 24 hours a day, but it's important to me to let them know that I'm still thinking about them. They still are important to me because like you said, you want to have a network of people that are always going to be there for you and that you can think of at the drop of a hat that will be there for you. And I also want to be that for other people. Also not taking it personally, which is something that I have to learn. If I'm going to put myself out there, also knowing that if they don't reach out to me, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not important to them. Definitely. Yeah. When we spent all that time together in college, I think that was A struggle for both of us. Everything down to the littlest thing that happened in class or casting or whatever, friendships that we were making, everything just affected us 100% of the time. And 
because of that, we were so much more involved in the negativity of things than I think we are now as we've gotten out and pursued other things and lived a real life outside of college. It's really cool to hear you talk about that and to see you become that person. And you as well. I mean, for you to even be doing a podcast like this when we were in college, I don't think would even come to fruition. And now that you have lived your life and we've lived our lives apart, we were able to grow together as friends. And you were able to be artistic in ways that you couldn't be because we were so connected at that point. Yeah. In order for relationships to grow, would you say you need that time apart and that distance in order to sort of reconnect with yourself, to grow, to move forward, and then get back together with that person that's special to you, see how they grew and where they are now and how you can then take this step forward together? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that's not just in romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely think that men don't take friendships as seriously as they should. And I think it is important to go and live your life away from your friends and then come back and share your life with them as you would in a romantic relationship or even with your family. You have to go away to college. You have to go and work a job when they're not with you. So then you come back and you have more life experience to then share with them to then grow from that point. Then at that point, we have to then make the decision as friends, do we continue to be friends now that we are different people? And do we continue to nurture this relationship now that it is not what it was before? Yeah, it's a good indicator to see who's going to stay in your life and continue on that journey with you when you go out and you work on yourself or experience new things that you've never seen before or felt before and then you bring your new self back to these relationships it's a good indicator to see who can keep up with your changing lifestyle and and like you said who's going to make the choice to want to continue to pursue a relationship and bring their own changes and their own experiences to it to sort of grow the relationship beyond what it once was and I think changing people and changing relationships is necessary. It's important, I think, because if you just stay in one place with the same person all the time and don't experience anything, sure, you can be perfectly content with what you have, but there's so much more to sort of absorb and learn from and grow that you're sort of denying yourself those opportunities and the opportunity to strengthen and build a relationship with another person. Absolutely. But it's also on me, too. So it's having those people that can keep up with you and want to grow with you. But then it's also you, myself, assessing, do I also want to keep up with this person's new life? I mean, what's the point if you're not going to grow with people, I think? (laughs) Where do you think that started for you? That realization that the work that you put in is the work that you get out? and yeah. When I lost friendships... Well, yeah, just the people, the friends that I had in elementary school, the friends I had in middle school, or high school even, there's a lot of friends that I was very close with in high school that we just lost touch, and we don't have a connection anymore, and when we see each other on the street, when we're back in our hometown getting bagels, it's nice to see each other, and we hug, and we we catch up in like that five minutes that you do when you're at a bagel shop, but then we go our separate ways, and I don't feel any different for it, I don't feel any less about it, and I don't think they do either, and it's a wonderful thing to see them again, but I know that I'm not putting in any work to stay in touch with this person, I still have admiration for them and respect for them and 
keeps happening. I just try to make it happen less and less when I have a connection with someone. But definitely in college, I mean, there's a lot of people that were in our class that I wish that I had taken more time to nurture our relationships after college. I mean, there's a lot of people that I just saw recently that I hadn't seen in four years, and I was reminded of the positive impact they had on my life, but also reminded of the fact that I have not taken the time to nurture these relationships. And there's that feeling of guilt a little bit. There's that feeling of imposter syndrome almost. It's like, well, I shouldn't be here. I I shouldn't be at this party in the city where all of you guys have clearly stayed in touch and I shouldn't be here. But it's also wonderful to see that reaction when you haven't seen someone in so long that did impact you so deeply a few years ago that you do kind of fall back into the, oh, but I also feel like no time has passed because we were so close at a time. So now it's up to me moving forward to continue to reach out to them and not beat myself up about not staying in contact with them because they are new people as well. Right. It's like twofold. On one hand, it takes resilience within the self and trust and love within the self to know that you've grown and changed and moved forward and you hold no sort of grudge or anything against other people in your life that have come and gone and because you're on your path and you've made the most of it thus far. And then in addition to that, I struggle with this a lot too. Based on a previous image or relationship or experience with somebody, I forget that other people are changing and growing and on a new path of their own, separate from me, could be for years at a time. And I have to give them the opportunity to re-enter my life and show me that they've changed and grown. And and I should be, you know, I want to be more excited about the possibility of finding old friends again and seeing how far they've come or what new experiences they've gone through and how they want to share that with me instead of focusing on maybe a pre-existing opinion or situation that we've been in in the past when both mine and their lives were completely different. Yeah, there's still some people that I'll hear their name and I'll be like, oh, that person. But why? I haven't seen them in how many years? Who's to say if I see them now we can get really close or we can move past that and be completely different people because I'm, I'm sure those people that I am like, oh, those, that person has lived a fully rich life that I know nothing about. Totally. And it's taking that old opinion that you're working so hard to move on from and grow from and learn from. Yeah. Why, why continue to hold on to those thoughts that you once had? And I think maybe it's a human thing or a man thing even. I just think we're so quick to judge other people being guilty of it, you know? It's just, I think just a long time ago, my dad told me or somebody told me like first impressions are everything, you know? That's just like that cliche has just been in my mind. And I think it's somehow affected the way that I see people because the first sort of experience I have or opinion I have of somebody always seems to last a lot longer than it deserves. Absolutely, yeah. And then it prohibits you from actually having a human connection with them. You're right, because you're right about what you said. It's like people are in this flow of life, constantly changing and growing and everything, whether they're aware of it or not. They're just like, they're very malleable people, I think. You know, human beings are very fluid and flexible and you can't possibly grasp the entirety of somebody's heart and soul and mind with a first impression you know absolutely i totally understand where your dad is coming from with first impressions or everything but i think that could not be more false i think a first impression is everybody's putting on an act first impressions 
liked me. So I'm going to try to give you what I think you want to see. Wow. I'm going to try to give you what I think my best version of myself is. The people that I want to constantly reach out to, I don't give a fuck what they were like when I first met them. <laughs> right, right. And I probably didn't like what they were like when I first met them. Or I thought that they thought a certain way about me when I first met them. Or I thought, you know, I was intimidated by them. Or I was like, oh, I'm never going to be friends with that person. First impressions, I think, are the worst indicator of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so interesting you say that. There is such a pressure when meeting new people, especially people that you're going to be working with. There is such a pressure to put on the best sort of version of yourself, like you said. And it's so interesting because what even is that? I was ta- right. I was talking to a friend here more specifically about like social media and how to stay genuine and true to yourself, but also, you know, broadcast yourself or, and market yourself for everyone to see and, and to hopefully support. And how do we find the line between showing who you really are and also trying to mold yourself into who you think your audience wants you to be? Uh-huh. And it's just like, where's the line? Where is the line? And social media, I think, makes it harder to get past that initial impression of Social media is the first impression. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. I can't tell you how Social many... Social media yeah. is what you want everyone to think your best self is. But here's the thing, Chris. Social media is an extended first impression. It's a long-lasting first impression. It's an impression that does not go away. It's an impression that's in the cloud. <laughs> it's <laughs> It's like a showcase of your identity almost. It's the most yeah. physical display of your identity. Me reaching out to people is having a human connection with them. And I think social media has made it harder and harder to have a human connection with somebody. And having those people around you that know you without social media. So there's so many people I'll run into and they'll be like, oh my God, you look so happy. You look like you're, you're, you've never stopped working. Mm -hmm. You just look like you're just living your best life. And I'm guilty of this. I don't post when I'm catering. I don't post when I'm struggling to pay a rent check. I only post when I am working or all of my wonderful moments of my relationship or all of my travels. And I have this nagging, you know, the cops that constantly talk to you saying that nobody else wants to know my bad stuff because people are going to scroll through that and be like, oh, stop complaining. Or why are you putting this on Facebook? Or why are you putting this on Instagram? Nobody wants that. And that's not true. I think that's what makes you human. But it is finding a line. Like you said, it's where does the line come where it's not a first impression anymore, you know? And I have to be conscious about not making this pristine persona of me because... Nine times out of ten, the people that are looking at that know that there's so much gray area or so much so much subtext. I think we've lost the ability to read the subtext. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> lost the ability. <laughs> it, it... Lost the ability to read the subtext. Yes, dude. I mean, truly, I think it takes so much balance to like, like you said. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with trying to post on Instagram and show all the great things that are happening in your life and what you're proud of and what you're working towards. And that is very positive to share that, to get likes and comments and messages back and say, oh my gosh, so happy for you, proud for you. Like that is 
a great way to build up the self, but there is that balance, like you said, to then also go out of your way and create real human connections, calling somebody on the phone, sitting down, having coffee, separate from whatever they're posting or whatever they're putting out for the world to see, really getting down and connecting with somebody or reconnecting with them and having conversation about what's really happening right now, today, this week, what's going on, you know, yeah. where are you at, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I'll talk to people and I'll, it's stupid, but I have to do this now where I'm like, do you do phone calls? <laughs> or like, do you do FaceTime? Um, because there'll be times where I'm, <laughs> I know that I'm not going to see somebody in a certain amount of time. And I'm like, so can we have a phone date? <laughs> right. it's a, and I'm like, I know it's a dying art form, but if we really think about it, these mini computers that we have in our palms are meant to talk to people on the phone. <laughs> social media and phones and everything like that it's become so easy to just text or ignore things or scroll on Facebook and forget that you had plans or what it. like I do all of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah of course no of course it's Right, it's a part of our life. So obviously the solution isn't let's remove all iPhones from the world. That's never going to happen. But it does take a little more conscious effort to just put your phone down, walk away, go out for a walk, do something else, cook a meal, I don't know. Just those little conscious choices instead of just ignoring a text or DMing somebody on Instagram. It's ways that we're fooling ourselves to think that we're still connected to these people. And unfortunately, we're slipping farther and farther away from those real moments that we can create with somebody. And that is the beauty of a phone call. It's like, like you said, you can call somebody up. You can hear the tone of their voice, how excited or happy or whatever it is that they are. And you share that moment. And then you, you put the phone down and that's it. 
I've gotten into the habit, well, no, I have to be better at this. I'm trying to consciously police myself on this, but when I'm out to dinner, to not have my phone out. And I can tell you that I failed miserably, because yesterday I was out to dinner and I had my phone out on the table. But <laughs> um, it's just being with somebody, taking a full 45 minutes to not text, to not show someone a picture. That's my kryptonite, showing people pictures. Once my phone is out, then it's on the table. Exactly. And it is kind of like an in-between thing where you're, you, you want to create a conversation so you're referencing something that happened or a picture that you have. But it's better, I think, to maybe try to describe the experience to the person rather than just show them and then fall into that trap of, oh, my phone's out, so I might as well scroll on Instagram for 30 minutes while we wait for our food. We're losing those connections in real time, in real life with people because everybody's traveling and everybody's doing this and that and gone. And maybe you only get once a year to see that person. So we have a limited amount of time to have those experiences at all. So when we get those opportunities, it is, it does take a little more conscious effort to just put it aside, be with the person. Even if you sit and say nothing, I think to share a space with somebody, especially somebody that's meaningful to you, is more valuable. Absolutely. I wanted to share a little bit about our history, how you came into my life, how we came into each other's lives, and how we've grown from there, and specifically you. I just think about our time together and my time with Montclair and our relationship was just one of the greatest things that came out of that. For so long, I depended on you, honestly, was really what it was. I think even from, yeah. the, even from the beginning, I, you know, you were always an outgoing, friendly person. And there was a part of me that was very nervous and closed off a lot of the time. It got to a point where I couldn't imagine experiencing anything without you right there with me, you know, throughout college at the very least. And it, yeah. it it was a sort of dependence, but it wasn't unhealthy or anything. It was really just, you, you know, like... Just, I always ran everything by you. Mm-hmm. I always wanted your approval. I always wanted you to know what was going on in my life. I always had someone to talk to and someone to be my complete, unapologetic self around. Yeah, and we... Every single day of the year. <laughs> right, and, and it did take time. It's not like we met in the next day. I think, like, we did both continue to invest in each other, you know, and, and that relationship developed and it grew so strong because we were both conscious of how important it was. And I think, I don't think not everybody's lucky as us to, like, find true friendship like that, especially at a younger age. But the point, yeah. I think the point is that it's there, it exists, it's possible, and it's just like any relationship that takes work and attention and effort, you know, and we just both continued to sort of choose each other in that way. And then yeah. and then as time passed and years went on, like, it just got, it was second nature, like, I'd call you up for this and you'd call me up to tell me that, and it's just, it got so easy over time, but it, it did take a stretch of of years to sort of like really fall into that pattern and that's why I value our relationship so much because of the work that we've put in it and it's been so long I mean honestly other than maybe one friend and you're the longest friend I've had for my whole life really because people have just sort of fallen away and it's amazing that we've been able to build that through college which was a whirlwind into our adult life where things just continue to change and we've continue to support each other and invest in each other. I think that's the key. Yeah, continuing to invest in each other. 
surround yourself with people that fan your flames. You are a light, you are fire, and you don't want somebody to snuff that out. And I feel like, not to say that we were always like praising each other and building each other up, we definitely, almost to a fault, were the first people to be like, mm, do you really want to do that? Absolutely. I mean, in addition to sort of supporting somebody and building them up, it takes responsibility to say the hard things that nobody else will say. That's definitely a part of fanning your flames, I think, is like, I'm a true friend who's going to support you and love you, but will also be there for guidance. And I trust you. I know that no matter where I am or what I'll do, like you'll give me what I need to hear. You know, you'll give me the truth and the honesty that I require rather than just sort of fooling me into thinking that I'm always making the right choice or whatever like that. And that's that, that trust built out of honesty is just, that's how you should approach any relationship really. Yeah. You also have to be willing to take it from someone else. Like, a lot of people are willing to give it, but they're not willing to take it. It's important to know what kind of person yeah. you, you are and, and what you need from people. And I think that is a part of our friendship as well. Like We've never been afraid to depend or rely or sort of express our needs to one another because how on earth would we be able to grow together if we don't know exactly what we need to give each other you know and i think that's important to remember in growing a relationship as well absolutely when we were living together you and i were very comfortable talking about everything and anything Mm -hmm. so we would always just share our feelings and we would immediately cut to the deep shit right (laughs) you know what i mean and i felt like I needed to do that with myself. I felt like I could only really do that with you, but I wasn't really doing it with myself. And I knew for a very long time that I was an effeminate person. I knew that I definitely was fighting that because of so many reasons. I think our conversations made me feel really comfortable in my my sensitive side and in my ability to not have to be masculine all the time. And I really appreciated, and I think I, I was so drawn to your energy because I couldn't put my finger on what this was, but it was this energy that you had that you were just so unapologetically comfortable with who you were. And I knew that I wanted to get there and I knew that I wanted to be that. And I'm so thankful for that. And I took that with me when we weren't living together and surrounded by each other 24 hours a day. And when you were in a situation where we couldn't call each other and talk about the deep shit, I'm like, well, fuck, I got to talk to myself now. Interesting. (laughs) Um, Really put a name on what I'm feeling. I've never really talked to you about that in depth at that time. I think I was definitely like alluding to things that I was curious, but I never really was like, hey, this is who I am. Because I just got off of like a two and a half year relationship with a girl that I thought I was going to marry and I was truly in love with and I was sexually attracted to. It wasn't, oh my God, I think I'm gay. It was like, a, I'm having these complicated feelings, but I don't know how to articulate them. I kind of was like, okay, I, I think I owe it to myself and I owe it to the people that I love that I am honest with myself and I'm honest with who I am. And I definitely felt this giant weight on my shoulders for a very long time. I felt like I was holding my breath a lot of the time. And I, I felt like I was, there's just so much tension in my body and my relationships with people. It was my relationship with my family. Oh my goodness. And I was like, I have to do this the only way I know how and is to talk to people. Really, our relationship was kind of like this framework of how I wanted all of my relationships to be. Granted, they were never going to be as in 
same depth as ours because I couldn't live with them for four years. But that's what I wanted from everybody else. I wanted the ability to be myself around people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to promise myself that if I become friends with people, I'm not going to put up my first impression around them. I'm going to talk about the deep shit. I'm going to talk about the things that matter. I'm going to be in touch with my feminine side. And I didn't really even know what that meant for a few years out of college, but I knew that I needed to constantly nurture that because I left it in a dark room for so long and I couldn't just let it out. I couldn't let it out. I had to open the door, let it adjust to the light let it, you know, stretch out a little bit, crack its neck a few times, and then walk out slowly. But by doing that, I gained this wonderful network of people that I could trust to just be with. Totally. But I love that it took that time away for you to realize that you weren't giving the attention to pieces of yourself that deserved it. And now this network of people that you have in your life that you've grown with and that support you, they know you for who you are completely rather than you trying to be something you're not or trying to be what other people expect of you. And that's a beautiful thing because now that you're more confident in who you are, there's no second guessing those relationships because at the end of the day, what does it matter? If somebody's going to try to lie to you about wanting to be your friend or lie to you about what they need from you then that's their problem because you're confident in who you are and what you need right and when i was able to let my other side out of the closet so to speak those relationships just became so much fuller so much richer i was able to not constantly think about what they were thinking about me I mean, granted, I still do that. I'm very bad at that, and that's just something I want to work on. But to the extent that I wasn't hiding anything, and I could just be who I was around them, and it made me feel more present to people and more open to what they needed. Because now they know what I need. (laughs) I needed to just be open with them. That's what I needed. I needed them to know what I was going through, and now they know. So it's like, now let me be here for you. I met Jonah, and he also was a bisexual man, and that was another thing that really turned me on to him, was that he understood exactly what I was going through, and I didn't feel like I had to explain myself, I didn't feel like I had to defend myself, I just had to be myself. And not to say that the second I got in a relationship with a man, I was like, oh, everything is solved. I was stressed out. Mm. I was stressed out. I had to say the word boyfriends for the first time gave me so much agita. It was, it was rough to introduce a boy to all of my friends who associate me having a relationship with a girl. I'm going to introduce him to my family members, to all these people that don't know my story, that don't even know that I'm out. It was just all these things that I had to just be like, it doesn't matter. And that took about three months to put a picture on Facebook of the two of us kissing. At that point, it was frightening because it was literally crossing the threshold into uncharted territory for me. Territory that I only really negatively associated myself with. It does definitely open my eyes to a lot of things that I was very naive to. Just the gay community in general, I was like, oh, I'm an ally. I know everything about the gay community. But to really be fully submersed in the LGBTQ community as a member and not as an ally 
really opened my eyes to the discrimination and the oppression and the internal discrimination within the community. A lot of people would instant message me or Facebook message me and say, hey, listen, I'm bi too, but I'm probably going to end up marrying someone of the opposite sex. So I'm not going to come out, but I'm here for you. And the amount of people that did that blew my mind because it's a huge community. But it's such a quiet community. And another thing I've noticed and realized through my journey is it's not 50-50 all the time. You're allowed to have preferences. You're allowed to swing all the way to the one side of the scale or the other. You can be a confidently straight-leaning bisexual and never have sex with a man but, like, be attracted to them. Or vice versa. You can be a man that will never marry a woman in his life but there's a part of you that finds women attractive. There's no right or wrong way to do it and there is a very specific way that society looks at it that I had to fight and learn my own journey. Because when I wanted to date Jonah, there was definitely that thing that's like, well, oh my god, maybe I am gay, but then I had to really dig deep into my soul and be like, gun to the head, would you have sex with a woman? And it's like, yes, I would, and I still want to. That's where my truth lies. And it doesn't matter if I end up having sex with a woman for the rest of my life, it's still who I am, it's still my sexuality. I knew that I was bisexual since seventh grade when I saw Dodgeball. (laughs) I saw Dodgeball, and it's a joke. It's the butt of a joke in the movie, but she ends up making out with this woman, and then Vince Vaughn comes up to her and he goes, What? No, like, I thought we were in love. And she goes, I'm not a lesbian, you know? I'm bisexual. And she starts making out with him. And I'm like, Oh, I think that might be what I am. (laughs) It goes back to self-love. It goes back to what you were saying, trusting and loving yourself in our conversation earlier. It's not who you are. It's a very small piece of who you are. And unfortunately, it's become everything that we are. And it's become such a defining thing when actually you marrying a woman is nothing to do with who you are. You, Chris, Chris Sharon, I don't even associate your heterosexuality in your personality. But I felt the need to tell people because the second I started holding hands with a man, people started to revert their eyes. I didn't feel safe all the time. But really coming back to loving myself and loving the growth that I made and loving my relationship that I'm in really makes all of those little things trivial and not allowing my relationship to define who I am. And now I'm getting into the practice of just saying, oh yeah, my boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and not explaining my journey. That was a big thing that I had to battle with. It was like, oh, my boyfriend, because of this. And I I, I recently came out as bi because I I had like my journey in school and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 nobody cares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody cares about that. And that comes from an insecure place. So now it's just being like, oh yeah, my boyfriend's on tour and you know, I'm going to see him. I love myself and I love myself with him. And that's all that matters. People don't actually care as much as you think they do. But everybody gives other people so much weight when actually they don't really give a fuck. And in a, in a freeing, positive way. Not like, I don't care about you. Mm-hmm. But me coming out as bi doesn't really affect anybody else. It just affects me and how I perceive my life. Yes, and if we spend too much of our time concerned about other people and their opinions of us, we're taking away from the time we could be spending on ourselves and what we want to pursue and the kind of people that we want to be and, more importantly, the opinion that we have of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's the easiest thing to say and the hardest thing to do is to not care what other people think about you. 
Because I do this with other people. So other people will freak out about something so minute and so specific. And I'll be like, why are you freaking out about that? That's so stupid. I didn't notice it. Nobody else is going to notice it. You are the only person that's noticing this. But I do the same thing to myself. When it happens to me, I'm like, oh my God, this one tiny little thing. Everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to point and stare. And everybody else comes to me and they're like, remember what you told me? Nobody actually cares. Here we are again at the end of another episode, and I want to bring it around to Sharon's closing questions. And the first question for you, what is one word you would use as a synonym for love? Openness. All right, next question. What is one aspect of your personality you are proud of and one you want to improve? The one thing that I am proud of is what we talked about today, to be empathetic and open to nurture my relationships and move forward with people and to be there for people in return. And I think the one thing that I need to work on is just to let things go, not to sweat the small stuff. Awesome. I mean, that's what it is. Stop worrying about the stupid shit. (laughs) I love it. Okay, last question. What are three defining words that make up a man? Compassion, courage, and kindness. Wow, I love that. Dude, thank you so much for taking this time and being with me. This was an absolute pleasure. And I love you so much. I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, man. I love you. I really appreciate you. And I'm so happy that our friendship has just continued to grow every single day. Me too. Right back at you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone listening. This is another episode of Sharing Feelings. Talk to you soon.